welcome to the Why on Earth Communities Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series. Today, we have the great joy and privilege of speaking with Nicole Vitello. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Aaron. Nicole is the president of the Produce Division of Equal Exchange, a 100% fair trade fruit importer and uh, purveyor of a bunch of other wonderful products from all around the world. Nicole started at Equal Exchange in 2008 as a sales representative, selling fair trade coffee, tea, and chocolate. And after studying international development at American University, Nicole founded her own organic farm business, Manic Organic. I love that name, by the way. <laughs> which she operated successfully for 10 years. Nicole came to Equal Exchange inspired by their economic model of trading directly with small farmers internationally. She is proud to be part of that model in fresh produce by promoting the connection between small farmers in Latin America and consumers in the United States. And uh, Nicole, it is such a joy to have this opportunity to speak with you and uh, welcome, welcome to our show. Thank you, it's really a pleasure to be here. So, as you know, uh, food and the food system is something that is very near and dear to my heart. And I understand it as both a very challenging uh, part of the industry to be working in and also one just full of opportunity for us to be doing good and great work in the world. And, and I, I, I'm curious if, if you would just to kick us off, describe what's different about the work you're doing through Equal Exchange versus a lot of the other food system uh, functions and food companies out there? Yeah, that's a great question, especially since there are so many choices now and labels and certifications and seals and stickers. It's a really, on the one hand, it's an amazing time to be um, an eater, especially of alternative foods, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, but it's also a really confusing landscape out there and it's hard to know what you are supporting sometimes when you found a company that you think you like and then you find they're owned by some other company you didn't even know. So I think that the one of the refreshing parts about Equal Exchange is, um, Equal Exchange, as you mentioned, is a, a worker-owned co-op. It's been around for 30 years. It is um, all of the products that we uh, import and represent and manufacture are organic and fair trade. And part of our model specifically is um, we only buy from small farmers that are organized into cooperatives. So the whole idea is um, it's difficult for small farmers, both domestically and globally, um, to, re to be represented in the marketplace. You know, it used to be everything came from a small or medium-sized farms, our own farm history across the Midwest. Now, you know, increasingly to support a growing population of people that are eating and a food system that's challenged economically to become more and more affordable, that's really come at the price often of consolidation or efficiencies or vertical integration. And small farmers um, are still sort of the backbone of a lot of local economies and local communities. So when we sort of cut small farmers out of the game, uh, or don't give them a seat at the table, the impact on those communities often leads to um, big disruptions, you know, migration, you know, furthering climate change with industrial scale agriculture, um, 
cultural shifts that are happening and also just no one really representing the true cost of food. So I think for Equal Exchange, it's really been about that connection to a small farmer supply chain and really engaging in those economics and those um, and where we focus on getting the products from point A to point B. We avoid it's sort of the middleman mentality in any way. So we buy directly and we sell directly as much as possible. And we try to do very, um, a very small amount of handling of the product. So like we manufacture coffee, but it's like green beans, we roast the coffee and we sell it, you know? So I think by focusing on those products and that model, it kind of keeps it a little more um, transparent and also accessible for people who are looking for products that are 100% fair trade, 100% organic, and also with this small farmer ethos that allows you to understand a little of the common sense behind um, those, you know, certifications and those seals. There's like a very basic model that I think is easy for people to understand. I absolutely love it. And uh, as many of our audience know, in, in the book, Why on Earth, in, in some of those early chapters, specifically one called Grow and one called Eat, uh, we discuss at length the importance of how we're relating to our food as both a mechanism for stewardship of our planet as well as uh, treating people all over the world with care, with compassion, with, with equity. And uh, I, I'm just so struck that in, in the framework that we discussed in the book, we had the simple little way of thinking about food, grow, no show, which is uh, you can grow some of your own. It's great to know uh, a farmer close by, maybe through a CSA community supported agriculture, some other mechanism to get some of your food. And then when we're getting foods from farther away, it's absolutely imperative really to purchase from those companies who are showing through their transparency and communication and through third party certifications that they are indeed uh, having positive impacts throughout the world. And I did bring some show and tell because I'm so excited when it comes to things like chocolate. You know, I'm in Colorado. We don't have a lot of local chocolate in Colorado, nor, nor do we have a lot of local coffee. Here's some equal exchange coffee and tea. And uh, to know I can get these kinds of delicious products from equal exchange and understand that that means that there are hundreds, thousands of acres being treated well organically regeneratively and that you've got hundreds of farmers their families their communities that are being well cared for through the economics of the system it, it to me nicole is such an incredible way to really have relationships all around the planet yeah no it's very true and i think sometimes with these concepts of you know fair trade is a very uh maybe a more well-known concept in Europe and I think is based on a lot of the economic models there of a lot of the countries that are being supported through fair trade in Europe are former colonies, right? So there's this whole conception of like, are we giving aid or charity or are we just honestly trying to trade fairly in a way that people can be, have their economic needs met, but also the dignity of their own sort of power to negotiate and represent their part of the spectrum because farmers are increasingly you know taking more and more risk as you mentioned climate change extreme weather you know um increasingly being disconnected from the marketplace and these 
barriers to entry getting higher and higher, um, the, the, the disempowerment, I think, that comes from that is, uh, is really uh, an important piece in the relationship building because when, um, when you're offering someone a, a seat at the same table to negotiate as an equal, it's amazing the things that you learn from each other, you know, and that the, I mean, I find farmers are some of the smartest people I know and some of the, you know, really most advanced business people because it's their livelihood. And if something, you know, no one has a huge trust fund to look back on and say, oh, my crop failed. I can just, you know, use this money to get me through. It's like, you're really living your economics and you really understand your economics. And I think if more of us, um, could engage in that, um, we could learn a lot about uh, our food system from the ground up. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned earlier this notion of the true cost of food. And, and I know with your background and experience having farmed uh, as you did, and of course you're working not only in food supply chains generally, but specifically you have deep expertise in the realm of the produce, the perishables. And I'm just curious, from that perspective, what, what can we share with our audience who maybe don't have that same uh, direct experience, what you mean by the true cost of food? Well, I think what starts to happen, I mean, particularly in a product like bananas, which I think is like the perfect example, right? I mean, bananas are a tropical fruit that are, um, you know, grown halfway around the world. And yet today in 2019, they're cheaper than they were five years ago. Like what, did everything else get cheaper? I'm sorry, did I miss that? Like fuel got cheaper, boxes got cheaper, labor got cheaper, the cost of living went down somewhere along the road and we just decided that we could do that. No, I mean, it's because grocery stores in general use bananas as what they, what we refer to as a lost leader. So they're not even trying to reflect the true cost of that product. They're making an assumption that a shopper is going to come into that store, see a low price for bananas, and assume that everything else in the store is affordable and want to shop there. Now, is that really true now? I mean, I think it was true 100 years ago when basically you had to sell an entire container of bananas that was a perishable fruit that was competing with a local apple. You basically, there is a volume game there, right? But I mean, bananas are a genetic clone. They're a weak plant. They're under attack from all sorts of, um, you know, very noxious diseases. They require more and more input. Uh, there's a human cost to that as well as an environmental cost. I mean, conventional bananas are the second most toxic crop after cotton. And no one even knows this, right? Like no one thinks about it. it's a yellow banana and it's 39 cents or whatever it is, you know? And, and we're sort of being trained to ignore it as an agricultural product. So I think that's a perfect example of the grocery store isn't even reflecting their cost for bananas. Then they're saying, oh, but we're just gonna absorb that. But either intentionally or unintentionally, that message is getting passed back to their distributor, who's passing that back to the importer, who's passing that back to the farmer. So whether that's Chiquita and Walmart, or whether that's, you know, a fair trade exclusive banana like we have, it's still you're under this market pressure that's decided based on not economics, right? Not supply and demand, not the, like the very, very difficult conditions under which these fruits are grown, but some perception about 
cost and value and um, an antiquated notion, I think, about bananas, which everybody eats and is still like the best deal around, you know? So Equal Exchange certainly got into the banana business to challenge those assumptions, right? And to say, hey, we are doing an exclusively small farmer, fair trade, organic banana that comes from Ecuador, Peru. We're negotiating directly with growers. We're trying to understand their costs and how to get to some economies of scale and efficiency that make this worthwhile. But we're not shying away from the message of these are bananas grown by people under conditions that we should all know about. And it's actually an agricultural product, not a yellow plastic thing that we just sort of manufactured somewhere and put on the shelf. So I think the more, you know, the real sort of I think downside and, and um, an issue with our current food system is that disconnect. Um, as you said, you know, you can go to a local farmer's market, you can join a CSA, you can get connected to farmers and talk to them directly about what's going on with them in a lot of products. That's a huge improvement in our food system in this last period of time. But all these other products you're relying on, you know, as we said, a, a certification, which helps a brand, which also helps. But the story is very difficult. Someone's always telling that third party. And I think we try as much as possible to bring farmers to the table to speak in their own voice um, and to tell their own story and to engage uh, and, and to actually reflect their economics and negotiate with us um, around uh, the marketplace. And I think that's a real difference. Um, but yet I'm hopeful because I see more of that and I see um, people that are eating and buying and engaging with food, really asking more about where did this come from, you know, and, and who grew this and, and how. And that's, a, that's power, you know, um, in terms of I think consumers and shoppers have power. And I think they often don't feel that they do. But by asking those questions, you're starting a dialogue. And then somebody has to go find that out if they don't know. And then they better be able to ask someone that knows or you're going to start unraveling the fact that no one knows where any of this stuff comes from. And, you know, people are going to have to start coming up with some answers pretty quickly. That's my job security right there, hopefully. Absolutely. Well, and you guys at Equal Exchange, at your website, equalexchange.coop, C-O-O-P, you guys do such a wonderful job visually and through text of conveying the lives of the farmers. I get to see little video clips on your website of real farmers on real plots where real produce is being harvested. And I feel connected. I, I feel like, wow, I, I get what's going on through this whole supply chain from that soil and that community all the way to my breakfast table, if you will. And uh, you know, one of the things I, I'm struck by in our culture here is that although a growing number of us are becoming aware of this, there are still a whole bunch of us who don't really understand that that cheap banana is not only loaded with toxins that are disrupting your own health, well-being, immune system, cognitive performance, etc. It is also being grown in a way that people all around the world are being exposed to incredibly toxic, carcinogenic, lethal agricultural chemicals. And the extent to which we as consumers become aware of that reality, those facts, I think it only makes us that more inclined and convinced to purchase from companies like Equal Exchange. And Nicole, you guys, my gosh, are easy to find in my area. I know that 
with drop shipping, folks can probably get stuff uh, sent directly to their homes in many cases. And the, the barriers for us as consumers to find these products um, have also come down substantially in, in recent years. And uh, it's just, it's wonderful that you guys are doing the, the hard work that you're doing to make this available to us. Thank you for that. Well, thank you for having a, a platform to connect it, I think, to something also larger. You know, I think that Equal Exchange has always, um, you know, has used sort of business and trade as a platform to talk about, you know, small farmer economics and environment and alternative business and cooperatives, you know, and I think that in terms of being an alternative business, that's a grounding factor in our work is the economic part of it but the more um sort of the ethical spiritual environmental i mean we we have a large community you know that um engages in our work and helps to inform some of the uh, of the trade models that we're engaged in and i think without that community it's really lonely out there, you know? I mean, uh, you're sort of fighting to get into a grocery store and, and, to, um, and to go up against just organic brands or people that are, are owned by larger corporations or it is an increasingly consolidated and corporatized food system. So I think it's good to think alternatively about who your community is. You know, we may be approaching it from a more economic model, but even on the farmer level, you know, it's, I don't think it's, um, I don't know if it's natural to people to like want to cooperate naturally, right? Like, sure, I'd love to think that that's part of who we are, but I think to have the incentive of like, hey, I'm one farmer, right? I can't fill a container worth of bananas and get them to the United States. So in fact, I need to band together with 150 of my neighbors and actually um, work together to have the volume to run a business together. And by that sheer nature of that, now we have to cooperate, right? So now like my organic integrity is your organic integrity. Mm -hmm. So I'm far more, far more likely to call you out or you call me out on something we're not doing because we just decided to own a business together. And now our business is actually gonna employ our kids who maybe went off to agricultural school or our accountants or technicians. And now all of a sudden we've built a community business that's employing local people. And that's empowering. And now we know more about our economics or our certification or a warehouse or other things. And so it just kind of builds in this sort of um, started with one farmer, started the 150 farmers, the community business, and it sort of grows from there. Then other people in other communities see you doing this and then they want to start. So as much as there's negative change that I think we all see, there's also a lot of positive change from people just trying to do something different and build a community around that and it may be one business model at the middle of that but all the ancillary parts of that create this alternative economy that i think we'd all like to see and be a part of and your organization is a part of that our organization is a part of that people are at the base of that buying and eating food and growing food and it's just there is something very inspiring i think about that even when i look around at um, some smaller examples and some larger examples. It's like all of that together has to create a more vibrant food economy. And I think people really want that now and, and we really desperately need it. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm 
picking up on a really exciting symmetry here as you're describing how the farmers are coming together, collaborating to get those containers filled at a high quality standard. There's also this opportunity for us as consumers to get together in our communities and build our knowledge base, uh, build our awareness, our, our resources. And what, what I was so excited to see when I was doing a little research on the equalexchange.coop website is that you all have three really great ways that we citizen consumer activists can get involved. One is as a supporter activist, one is as a, a drinker eater, a minimum of $100 a year spend I saw, which I'll tell you with chocolate coffee and tea, <laughs> that's doable. And then um, the third way is that there, you're in a collaboration with Calvert, the socially responsible investment uh, fund vehicle, you have a community investment note that allows people for as little as $20 to be financial stakeholders in the system that you all are, are growing, creating, stewarding. My gosh, what an incredibly exciting way for us to come together and do our part on the other end of this value chain. And, and I was hoping you could share with us a little more about how people are, are getting together. It sounds like there's an event uh, that you all are hosting in the near future. Yes, there is an event um, local to us. We're located outside of, uh, of Boston, Massachusetts and West Bridgewater, Mass. And there we're having a, um, uh, an action summit forum, uh, which is at Stonehill College on June 20th to the 22nd. And uh, the idea here is this has been a, um, a, an idea that's been, I think, part of Equal Exchange from the very beginning is, again, connecting people and farmers uh, around products that are not available or grown locally. And so at the beginning, I think, you know, being a worker-owned co-op business in and of itself attracted uh, workers to this idea where you can work in the warehouse here or be manufacturing coffee and have the same vote as the president of the company. You know, it's one worker, one vote. We all have shares of the company. It's a very as much as farmers are co-ops, so are we, and food co-ops are similar. You join a food co-op, you become a member, you have some say in what products are carried there and, and how they do business, um, and some sense of their ethics. So I think with um, the Citizen Consumer and, and the Action Forum, I think the idea was to kind of get back to our roots and really try to connect with people about the food system, um, educate each other, uh, have some energy together around discussing um, different uh, aspects of the system that are happening, um, try to create some uh, solidarity around wanting to change those things. So that might be people that are going into their local grocery store and saying, hey, where do these bananas come from? And, you know, do you know anything about them? To like, um, getting together um, for different webinars and things and getting educated about what Equal Exchange does. And then also us being able to interact with people more on a, an equal footing, you know, in terms of like, what do you care about in the food system? And what's your experience? Maybe you're a farmer or a rancher or a cheesemaker or um, a local, you started a local buying club or whatever it is, right? Like that's our community. And I think as the system has gotten so separated from each other, it's really brought renewed energy to the work we do, you know? So it's, it's I think, trying to connect more with our base in a, in a real way. 
you know, and I, I think that that's sort of, I guess maybe it came down to like, sure, you can join this by the amount of products that you buy or that you connect with us. But I, I think it's not really that, right? It's like, how can we connect around the philosophy of the work that we're doing instead of just around the economics? And maybe there's some bar to entry, which is like, do you know who we are? And are you connected with us over drinking coffee or eating chocolate? But that's just the start, right? It's more like, how can we connect and have, and really um, engage in a way that maybe through, maybe the business portal is one way. And maybe this is more of a community building portal. That's another way. And they both, not, neither one is mutually exclusive. Um, but I think that's sort of what's behind this um, challenge to the way the food system is and the way that, you know, if companies are accessing you, they're often asking you to buy something, right? Or to support something economically, to sell more product. And I think there's a whole generation of people that aren't really into that, you know? Like, it's like, sure, I'm gonna drink coffee, but I really wanna connect, you know, and educate myself and, and be part of something and feel useful. And I think that is a, a, big, a big part of this. Um, it's, you know, it's relatively new, and I think, like, we're trying it out and connecting with great people, and, um, you know, I think it's sort of like a great experiment, you know, to kind of see where this leads us, and uh, it's been really fun, and I think it's uh, engaged people in a way that maybe we haven't done here in a long time. Absolutely beautiful. Well, speaking of great experiments, you know, this notion of everybody being equal on the level is such an important piece in our culture, and it seems that we have we have a lot of opportunity and, and work to do in that regard. And uh, I would love to see the Why on Earth community be one of the hubs or nodes or, or catalysts with the equal exchange gesture of community gathering here in the Colorado region. And uh, want to make sure to mention that uh, coming up May 17th through 19th, we have a wonderful three-day summit called Massively Mobilizing Sustainability deep leadership for the 21st century and we're bringing together experts authors organizational leaders dealing with these these questions and these opportunities around stewardship regeneration sustainability how economics and ecology and our social systems interact and the opportunities we have to cultivate culture from the inside out from ourselves as individuals and leaders and uh, we've got so many wonderful organizations helping to make this event happen uh, as sponsors, which include Equal Exchange, um, Patagonia, the Association of Waldorf Schools of North America, the International Society of Sustainability Professionals, Earth Coast Productions, Purium, and Waylay Waters. And want to make sure if any of you in the audience want to join us for this event, again, May 17 to 19, Go to whyonearth.org, right on the homepage, you'll see a link with all kinds of information. We do have some scholarships available for educators, students, and nonprofit folks, so uh, be sure to check all that out. And with Equal Exchange, there's so much wonderful information, Nicole, on your main website, equalexchange.coop, C-O-O-P. And uh, in there, I found links to all kinds of video resources and uh, ways to really kind of understand and visualize what you guys are doing all, all around the planet with these relationships and these linkages. And uh, I want to be sure 
to ask you because of your expertise with the avocados and the bananas in particular, um, share with us what what is it like working with these these produce products that can spoil, that can go bad, and, and getting those to uh, travel across hundreds, if not thousands, of miles to your end customers in a way that they're excited to eat them. How how hard is that anyway? <laughs> Well, I think you may know a little bit from your past history as well. Um, it is not for the faint of heart, uh, for sure. Um, I think that what I really like about produce is um, it's an incredibly, uh, it, these are relationships really built on trust. You know, um, everybody's a little until uh, all the time, you know, like your phone is ringing, decisions have to be made, like you can't just wait until Monday. You know, so produce people really are, I think, produce people for a reason. Um, again, like farmers, amazing problem solvers, um, really uh, have their heart and soul, I think, in food and produce and tremendously adept at making very quick economic decisions. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, you can get a great price, you can sell your product. You know, sometimes like it's not going to sit around and wait. So you're really like with the avocado market being so volatile and up and down, it can go up $20 in one week. It can go down $20 in one week. Part of fair trade is trying to smooth that out for both producers and consumers. Um, but I think for us, and we just talked about the banana economics, which are just, you know, just unfathomable like any other in any in comparison to any other product. Yeah. But I think what you find through that is like a lot of our relationships where equal exchange can do a lot of direct trading. Coffee is, you know, a non-perishable, right? It's a green bean. You bring it here, you roast it, you control it, you ship it out. Um, and you get a pretty very good margin, you know, on coffee. Uh, I think you can have more control. With, with perishables, you really depend on this interconnected supply chain. So we deal with a whole system, a nationally system of, of independent and family-owned distributors who we sell our product to, say bananas, they ripen it and sell it to a natural food store along with a whole range of other products. So I think Equal Exchange has always wanted to support alternative businesses as well as um, an alternative source from small farmers. So we have tried to support um, natural food stores, independent family groceries, food co-ops, and offer them our product in a way that they can compete with, let's face it, who's selling the most organic food in this country? Walmart, yeah. Costco, you know? And so on the one hand, great. That means organic food is getting to that many more people at an affordable level, but also, um, you know, there's something lost in that as well, which is local brands, smaller companies access, right, to a giant corporate supply chain like that. So that allows your local food co-op to carry products that they don't carry at Walmart or Costco or another place, right? That isn't a big box retailer and discount store. It is your local food co-op that is trying to support a different kind of economics. You might not do all your shopping there, but you might want to do some. And so for Equal Exchange, it's supporting that whole alternative um, from farmer to distributor to importer store. Each of those people, we don't, we're not vertically integrated. We don't control every piece of that. We don't own the farm and own the store and do everything in between. We play a piece. 
So the partners that we have along that supply chain allow for some economic viability in the trucking industry, the warehousing industry, the fresh food industry, like that's supporting a whole host of community jobs here all across the country and giving them hopefully a fair wage and a fair margin so they can actually engage instead of saying, hey, you know what? I want to lower my shelf price. You need to do that for 30% cheaper. Good luck with that, you know, or I'm going to go find it somewhere else. This is way more of a partnership. We're interconnected. Um, we all need each other. And I think that's a really vibrant economy as well. Um, and so produce is based on that, you know, trust, transparency, quick decision making, being able to talk about economics and business, problems, claims, quality issues. You know, you, you really have to be able to have that kind of dialogue. And without knowing who you are and what your economics are and who, how those economics are affecting other people, you can't really negotiate, you know? So that's what I do love about produce. Um, very fast moving, sort of high stress, but high energy. And I think, you know, people love food. They get really excited about it. You know, produce geeks are produce geeks for a reason. I think you might be smiling for a reason there. And I think you know what I'm talking about. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. I'm yep. sure a lot of people watching this will too, you know, guilty as charged. <laughs> well, it's obviously produce is such a, an important part of our own health and well-being. And uh, boy, we have a tremendous opportunity, each one of us, to increase our uh, produce intake and, and to make sure we're sourcing it from companies like Equal Exchange that are doing such amazing work, needed work in the realm of environmental stewardship and social equity. I wanted to read a quick uh, quote from, this is from Equal Exchange's uh, LinkedIn profile. Just to, just to summarize this, Equal Exchange's mission is to build long-term trade partnerships that are economically just and environmentally sound, to foster mutually beneficial relationships between farmers and consumers, and to demonstrate through our success the contribution of worker cooperatives and fair trade to a more equitable, democratic, and sustainable world. My gosh, I mean, it's got a little bit of everything uh, on the important notes in there. And uh, just what a joy, Nicole, to have this opportunity to hear from you directly what that means and looks like kind of from the inside point of view. It's great to hear you say that. That's actually painted on the wall in the in the kitchen we have here in our uh, cooperative. And I look at that every day, but I, I don't, you know, it's like you see it, but you forget sometimes. And it's really, um, I think, still holds true, you know, 35 years later, um, those ideals, Equal Exchange still is the company that it was started out to be. And I'm really proud to be here because of that. And um, I think the people that founded this and had that idea uh, when the food system looked really different. Um, and the struggle now is to sort of keep those ideals and just find the people that are still attracted to that and want to get on board. You know, the water's warm, as they say. So uh, hopefully we can all engage in that. Those are big words, you know, but I think um, we all live them in, in, in small ways that add up to a, a vibrant whole. So, um, so it's an exciting, uh, yeah, it's an exciting and inspirational concept. Absolutely. Well, the work you guys are doing, it really, to me, exemplifies the much needed and, and noble response to a statement I ran across the other day from Sir Richard Branson. He said, uh, if you're not changing lives for the better, you shouldn't be in business. And 
my gosh, you know, we live in a time where we have so many choices. We can each be doing so many things with our own lives, our own professional work, our own careers. And we have so many choices when it comes to the food products and other things that we're purchasing and enjoying. And each time we're voting another dollar, another $10 in the direction of supply chains and ethics systems like equal exchange, we are literally helping to create a better, more sustainable world. It's, it's that simple, right, Nicole? Yeah, no, it is. And, you know, I think that the more we can um, both consider our choices, again, you know, I think people are busy, they're strapped economically, there's so many choices, it's kind of paralyzing, you know, so I, I can relate to this sort of, wow, what do I do? Or am I doing the right thing in this kind of pressure, you know, around everything that we're doing, be greener, um, you know, are you driving the right car? Are you eating the right food? Should you be vegan or vegetarian? Or You know, I think the bottom line is, you know, um, people's values connected to food are one of the most basic things that we do. It is um, a civil function in terms of how we spend our dollars, but also food is a very personal um, and very nourishing thing. You know, everybody eats. And so how you choose to engage with the food system, again, a CSA, a farmer's market, shopping at your local co-op, buying things where we buy. It is, um, you do have power in that decision, but there's also a lot of people that are working to help you with those choices, you know? And so organizations like yourselves that are, um, why on earth spreading this message about sustainability and the larger picture around food and growing in our planet is a great portal and a great sort of partnership in some of those messages. Um, and I really, admire the work you're doing and it's super exciting this conference that you're holding bringing ideas together and i think that that's hopefully part of what this conversation is about as well is like people coming with ideas and hope and excitement for the future because there's so many negative messages out there about and pressure you know about the things that we should be doing better and in reality it's just starting to open to your eyes to the things that you're already doing that are making a positive difference and some small things and some big things, you know, and yet this, this solidarity together about those things, I think is what really makes me hopeful. Um, so I think it's, uh, this has been a great conversation in terms of us connecting and raising awareness about our two organizations. And I, I see a, a bright future where more and more people are coming together in these, you know, small and overlapping circles and it just kind of expands out from there. So it's, it's an exciting time. Absolutely, Nicole. Well, to wrap up, I just thought I'd mention that uh, one of the packages that you all sent us for the upcoming conference is some coffee called Mama Tierra. And I noticed on the label, it says that this is a partnership between Catholic Relief Services and Equal Exchange. And I thought, my gosh, what a, what a, cool, what a cool piece, what a cool layer to have that kind of a connection and a sense of civic partnership with that organization. And uh, I thought I'd ask you just as a fun way to leave our conversation today about uh, your family. You were, you were telling me a bit about uh, your family before we started recording. And of course, I gather there's a deep tradition there when it comes to enjoying food uh, together with love and in community. Can you tell us what, what's that like? Yeah, so I, I come from an Italian family and, um, you know, we are all really 
loud and boisterous and a lot of things do focus around food and the, and the family table. Um, and I think one of the funnier parts about sort of my story is, you know, I have a degree in international development. You know, my parents were the first ones of generation to go to college. They're first generation here. And, you know, so much pride about education and professionalism. My dad's an administrator. My mom's a social worker. And then I go to college and decide to become a farmer. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine, right? Like everybody was like, Nicole, you could have just stayed in Italy and been a farmer. Like, what do you mean? We didn't come over here and scrape and struggle. So you could turn around and be a farmer, like whatever, grow your garden, like go to school, be a doctor, do something, come on, you know? Like, so it's kind of funny. Um, they, you know, there's a deep respect for food and food culture. Um, but it's interesting, you know, to see how the pressure sort of of the immigration experience and um, and what what vibrancy that's brought to our food system and our, and our culture, but definitely, you know, at my family table, um, I don't get any more respect now for being, you know, president of a produce division than I did for being a farmer. It's just kind of like, you know, who's cooking and cleaning and doing whatever, but I you know I'm very lucky. My family is great and I think um, really gives me pride in the work that I do to sort of bring back to a, a community and, and people that brought me my initial love of food and growing and, and farming. Um, but yeah, it's not a quiet, it's not a quiet table. That's for sure. I think that would not be the, uh, the title of my autobiography if that was going to be the case. Not a quiet table. Yeah. Well, I, uh, before we sign off here, Nicole, uh, is there, anything else you'd like to share with our audience and of course on behalf of our audience thank you so much for being with us and, and taking time from your busy schedule to, to visit with us but uh, before we sign off is there is there anything else you'd like to share I would just say you know be curious like ask questions you know about your food like don't don't think that you don't have choices and that people don't care about your opinion if you're shopping at your local grocery store or you know you're anywhere else like there is a whole food system out there of people that are doing some really amazing work and so if you start by eating and shopping that's one portal but um if food is your thing like there's so many places to get involved and meet your peers and um you know don't be stressed and lonely about your food decisions you know like there's it's just there's a whole world out there and i think there's so much um to be curious about and to learn about and hopefully that feels accessible and hopeful and not sort of daunting and like guilty um, because I think um, you know we've come out of a pretty conventional food culture and now I see it swinging the other direction I started farming and people in Rhode Island thought I was trying to steal their money joining you know starting a CSA they were like what do you mean you want to give to give you your money and you're going to grow some food for us later and now like in Rhode Island there's tons of CSAs and tons of young farmers and a whole different food system and community and chefs buying from farms and restaurants and this vibrancy that I see. And so um, as much as things are happening at a higher level, that might not be what we want. I think there are many levels at which we can be engaged with each other and, uh, and with great organizations like Why on Earth and, um, and many others that are doing really seminal work with farm workers and, and otherwise. And so like so many ways to get involved, whether it's with Equal Exchange or anyone else. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great community and I think it's a fun crowd and everybody eats really great. <laughs> <laughs>
food. So, you know, there's the bonus right there. So, um, so I hope this sparks a little bit of that excitement and enthusiasm that I certainly feel for the work I do. Um, I hope that that other people can access that however they do. Absolutely wonderful. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for visiting with us today. It's really appreciated. My pleasure, Aaron. I look forward to our next conversation. Likewise. The Why on Earth Community Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series is hosted by Aaron William Perry, author, thought leader, and executive consultant. The podcast and video recordings are made possible by the generous support of people like you. To sign up as a daily, weekly, or monthly supporter, please visit whyonearth.org support. Support packages start at just $1 per month. The podcast series is also sponsored by several corporate and organization sponsors. You can get discounts on their products and services using the code WHYONEARTH, all one word with a Y. These sponsors are listed on the whyonearth.org backslash support page. If you found this particular podcast episode especially insightful, informative, or inspiring, please pass it on and share it with a friend whom you think will also enjoy it. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support. And thank you for being a part of the Why on Earth community.